Well, good morning, beautiful people. I am so thankful to be here. And like Debs, I was so grateful to be a part at the park yesterday and just watch the joy in people's faces. I just found it very therapeutic to just watch these kids going down the slide. Um, Yeah, I'm so thankful. You know, God says that he determines times and places that we are to live. And I'm grateful that this is the time and this is the place. Um, I've been on the island about nine years now. Paul and I celebrated our nine-year wedding anniversary this week. Um, Thank you, Jesus. And uh, I am so grateful. I don't think I'm more grateful to live on the island than in the summertime, right? It's like everyone's coming here. They're in ferry lineups to get a glimpse of our waterfront and our forests. And we get to enjoy it all year round. And I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, one thing that might be an odd thing, and I don't know if you guys have thought about this, but I've lived abroad. We've, you know, Paul and I have traveled a bit as well. And one thing that I really am grateful for here at home is our water. Our water tastes so good. I'm not talking about like bottled. I'm saying right out of the tap, water in Nanaimo tastes amazing. And if you pay attention when you travel, even to other cities like, or well water, like our water tastes so good. And I started pointing it out to Paul. And now when we travel, he's like, you're right. You're right. I love coming home. You get that fresh air when you're on the island and then you get, you get home and you drink and it's just good, fresh water. So if you weren't grateful for how good our water tastes, you have another reason to be grateful this morning. Um, have you, can you remember the best water you've ever had? Nanaimo. Nanaimo. There you go. Thank you, Deb. <laughs> Somebody's listening. You probably, have you ever thought about it? You probably can't remember. Water's not the most memorable drink, right? We drink it all the time um, because we need it. We depend on it to keep living. And it's not just us, actually. It's um, all living creatures on God's green earth. They all depend on water. From the microscopic bacteria, I loved micro, I'm a nerd. But yeah, from that little bacteria under the microscope to a big giant blue whale that wouldn't even fit in this auditorium, all of those creatures, including us, depend on water. So if you're alive this morning... You need water. Do you feel alive? Do you need some more coffee after Love Your City? (laughs) Are you alive? Yes. You need water. That's probably not new to you, but our bodies are intricately designed to tell us when we need water, right? We get thirsty. And we've all experienced being thirsty. And the truth is, and where I want to go today is just to remind us that we are created with a thirst for the living God. And I want to look at where Jesus talks about being thirsty. Because if you haven't noticed, we really love Jesus. We like to sing about Jesus. We like to talk about Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And when he talks about being thirsty, I want to listen. Because if the creator wants to talk to me about me, who made me, then I want to listen. Because I'm sure he has some good things to say. So if you want to open with me to John chapter 4... It's a well-known passage. It's the encounter of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's not found in any of the other Gospels. Um, It's just in John. Because obviously it stood out to John, which I think is interesting. 
And if you were here last week, um, Wes actually taught a little bit about this kind of near the end of his preach. And you can bet I was out with the kids trying to get them to be quiet. And my ears perked up thinking, whoa, 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 that's, that's where I was going. I was going to preach on that. So I was listening. But what's cool is Wes, he kind of, he touched more on the barriers between, you know, Jesus and this woman. Kind of some of the dynamics and how even with all of the dynamics, that woman, she still felt loved, she still felt accepted, and she goes on to then testify about Jesus in her city. Um, And where I want to focus on this morning is actually the words that Jesus spoke and what he said. And so it was great, because I was like, oh, it's okay, I can still still share this. Um, So I was grateful, because, yeah, so I want to focus on his words, and I'm trusting that his words are going to speak to us this morning. So here in John chapter 4, we find Jesus, and he is traveling. He's on his way to Galilee, and he's tired from a long walk on his travels through Samaria, and he stops by a well. And we pick up um, in verse 7. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And those of you that are familiar with the story know that he responds by then saying, go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, that's right. You've had few, right? And this conversation continues. And at the end of the conversation, the interaction, Jesus actually reveals himself to this woman saying that he is the Messiah. And he breaks through all the norms to speak to this woman, right? There's all these reasons that he wouldn't. He was considered a rabbi, right? And a rabbi wouldn't speak to a woman in public, let alone by herself, right? We know that the Jews wouldn't deal with the Samaritans. And this woman also, it sounds like we don't know her whole story, but obviously there's a colorful past there, right? So a lot of people wouldn't want that association, Plus, it says that beginning, it says that Jesus is tired. It says he's weary. He's been traveling. So there's all these reasons and all these dynamics why in the natural, it's not really a good fit for Jesus to be talking to her. But Jesus sees past it all. And he sees her heart. And he sees that she is thirsty. He loves... Jesus loves to break the molds and to color outside the boxes. And I think that the disciples were often kind of on their toes with Jesus because, you know, Jesus and his disciples, they were often in crowds. There was lots of people around them. But Jesus, even surrounded by crowds, he had eyes to see the one 
to see the individual, right? Um, so many times he's stopped or he's interrupted where he's going to have this encounter with an individual. And this morning, there's a crowd here, and maybe we're all kind of getting used to crowds again. <laughs> maybe they're a little bit more overwhelming than we remember. Maybe it's a little bit more lonely in a crowd than you remember. It's a beautiful crowd here today, but I just want to say that Jesus, gracious, loving Jesus, that he sees you, the individual, and that all the dynamics surrounding you, and with this woman at the well, all the dynamics, Jesus was aware, but that didn't stop him from pushing in and revealing himself, reaching out to this woman. And I just fully believe, before we even get into more of what he said, that Jesus wants to encounter you this morning, wherever you're at, whatever the dynamics, whatever you're facing, for all the reasons you feel like you should or shouldn't be here. The Bible says that Jesus leaves the 99 to find the one. He wants to meet with you, and he wants to reveal himself to you. He sees you. And he is undaunted by the state that you're in. So whether you're brand new and all of this feels fresh or you've been walking this journey for a long time, I just believe that God wants to reveal himself to you this morning. And I'm trusting that he's going to do that as we continue. So if we go back to the scripture, back to what Jesus says. So in John 10, or John 4, verse 10, the woman, right, he says, give me a drink. And she's like, you're talking to me? And he's like, yeah, I'm talking to you, right? So he answers. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So some context for us, when it says living water in those times, they often use the words living water to refer to spring water right there at a well. But if you think about a spring, a well is kind of stagnant. A spring is bubbling, it's kind of flowing. They would say it was living water, okay? So it makes sense why the woman is probably thinking that he's maybe telling her about another water source, because she's kind of like, right, what's her response? She's like, the well's deep, you don't have anything to draw water out with. It makes sense. Her mind goes to the practical right away, which I love that, because I can relate to that. God's trying to tell me something, and I'm like, you don't have a bucket, God. You don't, you don't have a rope. And he's like, anyway... Yeah, but the context is important for us to understand. So just this conversation, Jesus is speaking to her, and she's kind of like, where are you going, right? Are you talking about another water source, living water? It's also important to understand that as Jesus is speaking, if we look in the context of Scripture, he's throwing it back to the Old Testament here, because in Jeremiah, a couple places, um, it talks about Jehovah, so the I Am, living God, that he is the source, the fountain of living waters. So as Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you living water, he brings all of that with the truth and the backing of scripture behind it, right? Which is amazing. And I think Jesus often speaks about something supernatural and spiritual, using an example from the natural physical things that we can see and have a reference for, right? That's why he often taught in parables. Because he uses something that we understand. We all know what it's like to be thirsty, especially in the heat wave. 
And he uses something that we do understand to reveal something that we might not quite fully understand. Because we have a need in the natural. It doesn't matter who you are, young, rich, poor, old, educated, rough around the edges. Your body was created with a thirst for water because it needs it. It doesn't need iced coffee. It doesn't need those lime bubblies that you're all addicted to because Costco's sold out. That's right. Whatever flavor of bubbly is your choice. Um, even juice with its like sugar content, it doesn't satisfy us in the same way. Nothing quenches thirst like cold water when you're thirsty. And you can drink the other stuff, but you're going to be thirsty again in a short time. Have you experienced that? Those bubblies, so refreshing, but you're still thirsty. And that's the natural, right? But spiritually, we have a need. And our creator, our good father, he created us with this desire and thirst for relationship with him, the living God. And as Jesus goes on, he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. He is the source of living water. Fresh, pure, bringing life to our weary souls. Quenching a thirst in us that was there from the very beginning. You know, preachers often reference C.S. Lewis with this God-shaped hole that only he can fill, right? We've heard that lots. And it's similar in that he alone can satisfy. Nothing can satisfy but him. Not the way he designed us. Not religion. It doesn't satisfy It's like a hamster wheel, right? Not good works. Not relationships or even passion, right? It doesn't last. I, like, we celebrated nine years this week. I'm so grateful for my husband. He is wonderful. He is a gift. But I'll tell you, if I look to him to satisfy the longing within me for living water, I will be left wanting. And I'll probably resent him. (laughs) Because he was never meant to satisfy like Jesus, like his love. And I know that we know some of this, but I just felt God wanted to remind us this morning. It's not a job. It's not success. Money, power, wealth, health. He created us with a thirst for him, and we can drink of all of these other things, but they will not satisfy And in the Amplified here in verses 13 and 14, it says, Whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again, but the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, satisfying his thirst for God. I didn't know if it was up there. Um, Welling up, continually flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. So it comes as, as we drink of this water and are satisfied... So life in Christ, right? Salvation. All of us here have a story. When we came to Christ, there was purpose. There was belonging. There was this relationship that was restored. And as the scripture talks about living water, you know, springing up, welling up, it sounds so poetic, right? It's, it's so beautiful. And it's kind of cryptic. I was like, but what is it, you know, how do you, how do you, 
I kind of got stuck because I was like, Lord, how do you unpack that? How do you explain that? This life that's welling up inside of us. Um, it's not neat and it's not tidy and it's hard to make it a point, <laughs> you know? And um, God was just like, it's because it's a picture in the natural of what's happening in the spiritual. It's not exactly, do you know? Like it's sometimes... There, there's a mystery in all of this. We are body, soul, and spirit. And I don't think words do justice sometimes to explain this, this life that's building in us, this pressure that's building with us because Jesus is doing something in us as we choose to drink of living water. As our spirit wakes up to the Creator, as he, we respond to what He's saying over us, these words of life, Right? Our understanding here only gets us so far, and then it's actually here with faith that we respond. I, I had a dream this morning right before I woke up about I was on the train, and it was leaving, and then I had to go to the bathroom, and I got off the train, which makes no sense, but in the dream, and then I missed the train, and I got there like, as the train was leaving, and it was like me and a few other people, and we were like, you had to like jump to get the train, and I, I didn't jump, and I, I was like, well, that, and then I like woke up, which I don't normally remember dreams, so I was like, well, that was weird, but there was just something in this of like, there's, there's a moment where we have to respond. It's, here gets us so far, and then we have to just respond with faith. Um, you know, Jesus speaks to this again a couple chapters later in John chapter 7, John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. Um, he says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So you see, his heart is not only for our thirst to be quenched, to be satisfied, right? Salvation, purpose. But then he says, whoever believes in me, he says, I'm going to make rivers flow from you. So as we choose to come and to drink and believe, this welling up happens within us. And what I love about this and what's hit me this week is that this welling up, this springing over, it can't be reproduced. You can't fake it. That pressure building of new life within us, the natural overflow, you can't make it happen. And I think there's something so liberating about that. I don't have to perform to be the overflow of Jesus. It's actually me drinking and experiencing that this welling up happens. And in verse 39 of chapter 7, he says right after that, he says, I will, rivers will flow out of his heart. He says, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So there's a key in here, because I'm like, sometimes, you know, the welling up, it sounds so poetic, but it's like, what do, you, what do, I, what do I hold on to in this, Right? And I think there's a key here is that when we choose to believe in him, right, at salvation, we know that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. 
And the scripture talks about that a lot in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit coming to dwell in us. He transforms us. He washes us. Renews us. Right? He washes our hearts so that it says as white as snow. So that that water that's flowing out of us is actually clean, fresh water. Right? It's not muddied, dirty water like it would be if I was left to my own devices. That water is living out of the outflow of my heart because of what Jesus has done in me. And the Holy Spirit, we believe the Holy Spirit, so Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, right? The triune God. So the Holy Spirit is fully God. It's not a more gentle version of God. So him inside of me welling up, bubbling over, there is a force there. There is power there. And it can't be contained, right? The spilling over of his love and his grace and his power as we let him work through us, right? Are you guys with me? Okay. If you think, I was just thinking of like a spring um, or even rivers. Like there's this piece of, of performance that I just love because they cannot, they don't, rivers aren't performing. It's a water source that flows, Springs, they're not like, think, you know, think overflowing thoughts. Like they're not like trying to do it. It's just who they are. It's just an overflow. It's just that release of a pressure that's there, this source of water, right? We know water is such a powerful force. We can see the effects of it on rocks. If we look, you know, I'm not great at geography, but you know what I mean. You're with me. Um, if you also, if you think of a spring or river, the overflow, what are the effects of that overflow? There's life. Right? The vegetation is green. It's flourishing. There's life all around it. And his intention all along was that as we drink of living water, that that overflow of living water would pour out onto those around us. And that's actually my third point, which I haven't even said my points. My first point was that Jesus wants to encounter you, that he alone satisfies And the third thing is that he causes us to overflow. He actually wants to fill us up to overflowing because his intent was that around us there would be evidence of green, flourishing life because of the life that's in us. The Holy Spirit at work in us and through us is what makes these living waters refreshing. It's not actually us. It's the source that is Jesus. Freely we have received... Now freely we give. It makes me think of that uh, song you may have learned in Sunday school about joy like a fountain, right? My mother-in-law's here in the front row. She could sing it to you. She is amazing with kids. This woman is so gifted with kids. She's got my girls singing, singing the old songs. But joy, I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain, right? Jane, you could also sing with me. I know you. I've got peace like a river. I've got love like an ocean. Because I've got it figured all out? No, because by grace, there's this source, right? By grace, I was offered this living water and the overflow of joy, of peace, of love that's flowing out of me. It's because of this living water that I've tasted, So one of my questions for you this morning is, is there living water still flowing from you? Has the water maybe gone a bit stale or stagnant, maybe a bit bitter? 
Is it down to a trickle? You know, Mike has taught many times about unstopping the wells, right, in this community. Unstopping the wells so that the life of God can flow. And I think sometimes we know it here, but I think this morning God wants to remind us here to let this life of God flow from us, this living water that Jesus is talking about. And I was challenged myself this week of like, I feel thirsty, God. Like, yeah, (laughs) really, this is what you want me to say? I'm thirsty. And in this, coming back to it again, he's saying, anyone that thirsts, come to me and drink. If I'm not overflowing, what can I do? Drink more. Drink more. Press into him. I love that the overflow, it can't be forced, but it's this natural building of a pressure, right? It's this release. And God loves to bring life to people, starting with us and the people around us. It's just who he is. He's actually the giver of life, isn't he? Uh, We were created with a thirst for him, for the living God. He wants to encounter you this morning. He alone can satisfy wherever you're at. And he wants to fill you so that you are overflowing. And what's so amazing in all of this about Jesus is that he offers it freely, but he does not force. Have you ever tried to force someone to drink? I I have. I have a toddler who's really bad at drinking water. Do you know what happens when I try to force her to drink? She chokes. It's not pleasant. I've tried it more than once, though, so I... Anyway... It is a choice to drink. It's not super complicated, and it's not hard, but it is a choice. And I want to read um, just a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, What does a thirsty man do to get rid of his thirst? He drinks. Perhaps there is no better representation of faith in all the word of God than that. To drink is to receive. To receive in the refreshing draft, and that is all. A man's face may be unwashed, yet he can drink. He may be of unworthy character, but that draft of water will remove his thirst. Drinking is a remarkably easy thing. He says it's even more simple than eating. Thank you, Charles Spurgeon. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. And you know what anyone means? I didn't even look it up. Anyone. Drink. Let him come to me and drink. Drink and drink and keep on drinking. Because to drink when we are thirsty is the most natural thing. And for us this morning, I feel that there are a couple responses depending on where you may be. And you can't go through this and think about Jesus at the well offering living water to this woman that had not yet tasted and not offer the same to you. Maybe you've been around, maybe you've heard about Jesus, but you know as I'm talking this morning that you have not tasted for yourself living water. That is salvation. 
And you have a choice today, like the woman at the well, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that his grace covers all of your sin and your past as you choose to drink and believe and experience this living water that can satisfy. So if that's you this morning, we want to introduce you to Jesus, who is the source of living water and the only thing that can satisfy, and that is most of our stories here today. So we would love to pray with you and help you taste of that living water. The other people here, maybe you've tasted and you've seen, but for whatever reason, you're here and you're like, I am thirsty. I feel like I've been in a dry, weary land. You know, for a lot of people, the last year and a bit has been a dry place. Jesus says, come to me and drink. And let him satisfy your soul this morning. Let him refresh you. Even this piece of performance and the overflow, I think sometimes we hear about overflowing and there's almost like condemnation that comes because we don't feel like we're overflowing enough. Like there's not enough life coming out of us. It's not performance at all. It's just being connected to the source, which is Jesus. And today, wherever you're at, come and drink. Come and drink.